Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I am your host, Kane Pittman, here with the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And we've made it to Friday. We've got here. We've got through another week. It's all we're trying to do right now, take it week by week until everything's back to normal. Hopefully, basketball is back. That's what we're here to do, help you guys through that. We're going to continue the mailbag today. And we finally got to the point where we're going to get down to business. We're going to talk about financial ramifications of, of what is going on right now and in particular how that would affect the Bucks moving forward. We had a bunch of questions uh, from listeners regarding this. So uh, fortunately, we have the resident Locked On Bucks CBA cap financial expert Frank Madden on hand. So Frank, uh, we may as well just jump straight into this right now and get it started. This one we have <laughs> is for, from Buck Fan for Life 3 and he says, uh, and again, he's asking to rank the top five teams. I'm not sure whether we have to rank them, but we can certainly go through some teams here. He says, uh, rank the top five teams that are most affected by uh, the stoppage. For example, championship aspirations, contract injuries. Uh, he says, I know it's affected all teams, but uh, that's, he's just trying to keep this basketball related. And it, it is interesting because you talk about momentum for teams, teams that were starting to come together, starting to play well. You talk about injuries and how that could impact teams. I know when uh, this first happened, we, we mentioned, obviously, Brooklyn and, and spoke about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Obviously, um, the Nets have, have put a line through, I, I believe, Kevin Durant coming back and playing anyway, particularly if it was anytime soon, which, which we don't know. But I think, for me, one team that, that really stands out is, is Philadelphia. I mean, we, we don't know what was going on uh, with Ben Simmons back, really. And even though there has been, you know, obviously, huge question marks about the, the fit, with him and Embiid, I think it's safe to say that Philadelphia were not... I mean, I don't even know whether they would get out of the first round if they didn't have Ben Simmons in the lineup. Uh, while at times it hasn't always worked perfectly, I think uh, if you look at a Philadelphia team, without either one of those guys in it, uh, you, they're not a team that's going to make a long playoff run. So for me, the Sixers are a team that, that would benefit from having a few months off, particularly if Simmons is able to get healthy and uh, come back into the lineup. And it was interesting. I was listening to No Dunks earlier today, and something that uh, I can't remember who, who brought this up. It might have been Taz, but he mentioned uh, the fact that maybe James Harden is a guy that actually benefits from having a few months off, depending on how he, he looks after himself and how he keeps himself in shape, because he has been a guy in the past that has seemed overly fatigued and, and just worn down by the time the postseason comes. And another guy, Nikola Jokic, we know how well he was playing and rounding into form in February, heading into March. He was on an absolute tear. It makes a lot of sense because he came into the season about 20 pounds overweight. So uh, if I was had to pick a player that I, I think would maybe struggle with quarantine and self-isolation and keeping themselves in shape, then Nikola Jokic might be one of those guys. I remember seeing some straight talk from Nuggets fans basically saying, oh, he, in, in the fall, oh, he's not comfortable at a lower weight. He needs to have carry that extra weight. Like, <laughs> 
seriously, we, we, we making these types of excuses. So, um, yeah, I mean, one of the things, obviously, I mean, obviously the, the Bucks are obviously a team, you know, that you worry, um, mm-hmm. just given how, you know, I mean, they had the best record in the league. So obviously anything, they had kind of some injury stuff, obviously, maybe not serious injuries, but um, they were on obviously the losing streak and, and had the injuries. So you could argue maybe uh, a short break came at a good time for them. Um, but I think other than the Bucks, uh, teams kind of most impacted. I mean, I think you talked about the Sixers. I mean, right now they're they're in the sixth slot, um, tied with Indiana. Uh, I guess let's see. I think I don't know what their head to head is, um, but at least ESPN shows Philly um, at six and Indiana at five. Uh, if they're at six, then that would put them in a uh, first round matchup against the Celtics, which is very interesting because. I think there's a lot of sentiment that the Celtics don't have necessarily the size to kind of handle the the Sixers, um, but also the Sixers can't do anything on the road, and they would be playing you know four of those seven games potentially in Boston. So definitely agree on Philly having being a very interesting team at this point. You know, um, as far as like where they are in the standings, uh, obviously um, you know them being at six, they never expected that to happen uh, unless you know they had some crazy injuries. But if they get Simmons back because of this then obviously that that could be a major plus in terms of getting a stoppage. And it's not like they were having any great rhythm, right? So breaking up kind of what they had, then probably not not a bad thing just to sort of hit the reset button. Um, I mean, I think the Lakers and Clippers, I think, are, are definitely impacted this in the sense that, you know, you just look at the West. I mean, for the Lakers, LeBron's getting up there, right? I mean, you know, in, in the grand scheme of the universe, you can kind of look at it both ways. Um, him getting to rest, probably a good thing. Right. I think part of the reason why he probably is having such a good season is because he had pretty much his first real off season in a decade or whatever it was, or maybe, maybe ever uh, due to the injury and the Lakers stinking last year. Um, so I think certainly of all the teams that wouldn't want to lose the season entirely, the Lakers are probably right up there near the top along with the Bucks, um, just because they're having an awesome season. They're in the West. Uh, you know, next year, I don't know where Golden State kind of will fit in back in with the West contending kind of picture next year. Um, but I think certainly the West, uh, I think it seems like the Mavericks, I think, are up and coming. You know, I think this was a year for the Lakers. This this might be the Lakers' best chance to to potentially win a championship, right? So they obviously want to come back, um, and they obviously will hope that they didn't lose anything. Um, I think the Clippers are interesting. Uh, you know, Paul George and Kawhi are not, you know, LeBron's age, but I mean, you know, they're also um, guys that have missed a lot of games. So you could say, well, the, the time off maybe helps them a little bit. Um, flip side, I, I don't know, right? I, I, I the Clippers have been kind of a confusing team. That's been kind of a hard hard to get a read on them. But ultimately, they're second in the West. Um, but again, through the lens of which teams would least want the season canceled. I mean, the Clippers have two guaranteed years with Paul George and Kawhi. And then those guys can opt out. So obviously, <laughs> obviously they do not want to have one of those seasons get punted um, due to a cancellation or something like that. Obviously, as Bucks fans, we don't want that either. So um, those are a couple of teams that I think you know certainly are, are really interesting to look at. Kind of could cut both ways. Um, and then I think the Pelicans maybe be the most obvious other team. Um, you know, they are obviously in a position where if the regular season just ends right where it is now they will certainly be one of the teams that is, um, you know, ruining the the coronavirus, cutting short the regular season, just Mm -hmm. because they were obviously having a chance to make a run at the eight seed Memphis at 32 and 33, uh, still hanging on to eight Pelicans at 28 and 36. Um, they had won two in a row before, uh, play was suspended. 
they are three and a half back of Memphis. So again, they're not that close. I would say they're probably too far out to make the playoffs um, in any scenario where there's like only a few to obviously no more regular season games. Um, so they would probably need the, you know, NBA comes up with a seven through 10 tournament scenario to, to make the playoffs. So I think certainly the, the lack of regular season runways is probably going to be a very big impacting thing for them. Portland, I'm sure would also argue the same thing. Although uh, even though they're a game up on um, the Pelicans, I, or sorry, they're, they're even there. They have one more win and more, one more loss than the Pelicans. Um, I don't know. Portland, I find kind of boring. I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine with them missing out on the playoffs. So anyway, I think we've probably hit, hit that question enough, but it's funny because in a lot of ways, I mean, again, it's just, you come back, it's not really, we're not really sure what it means for some of these yeah. teams, right? Because I think some teams are probably going to come back and be refreshed. Other teams might come back and feel like, wow, they kind of lost some rhythm, right? Um, so it's going to be challenging for, for everybody to some extent. All right, we've got a couple of questions. I've sort of hinted that we were going to get to these at some point. They're kind of revenue-related, salary cap-related, so I'm going to tie a couple of these in together. We've got one from Brennan, uh, Brennan Olin and also from John Doe. Brennan asks, how would the loss of revenue this season impact the salary cap and Giannis extension? I know you sort of touched on this uh, on one of the other episodes, but we, we can get into that a little bit. And the question from John Doe is, the revenues lost are obvious with no fans attending, but what revenues does the NBA stand to gain by playing games in front of empty arenas instead of just canceling the season? Uh, obviously, the broadcast is going to be a big part there. But uh, if you want to start with the salary cap, I know you had some ideas, and it's all, it's all up in the air, but you had some ideas the other day. So what do you think this means uh, moving forward for Giannis? I think the only point that I've seen a few people talk about this, the only point I will make is even if the salary cap goes down, if Giannis can still get a Supermax, the important thing to remember is he's still going to be able to get more money for signing with the Bucks, right? That's, that's, that's the important thing to know. Yeah, I mean, and also, I mean, his contract is not going to be based off of what the cap is next year. Right. So whether he signs his extension this summer or whether he re-signs with the Bucks or signs yeah. elsewhere uh, the summer after that, um, it's not next year that is going to be what determines what money he makes. So his, ca- his contract will be based off of um, I mean, he's going to get 35%. If he signs in Milwaukee, 35% of whatever the cap is in the 21-22 season. Um, previously, that had been estimated at, uh, I think, $116 million. So it works out to, um, let's see, about uh, $43.75 million. So um, that's, that's obviously a lot of money. Um, <laughs> so I think the uh, – so I think the um, – you know the 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 general um, the general thing to remember here, um, or sorry, I think it was a I think the twenty one twenty two is, is one twenty five. Sorry. Um, so if if that number had been used forty three point seven five million, um, you know the math works out. He can make up to two hundred fifty four million on a five year contract. He can obviously sign for fewer years uh, if he wants. I think that's something that doesn't get talked about much, but I think is very possible that he could just take a couple year extension and. You know that way he's not locking himself into a really long-term deal. Um, so I think the main so the main thing two points are one, you know, it's going to be based off of the twenty-one twenty-two cap number, which will probably you know smooth out a lot of you know a, a big deal seen next year. Um, but even so, you know, here's the question, right? Is the cap number is you know the cap is supposed to be a projection of what um, of what the salary cap or what basketball-related income is going to be 
in the upcoming year, right? Because basically you set the cap uh, and then you sign contracts and then you have the season and then, um, you know, there's some mechanisms for sort of truing up uh, at the end of the year. So, um, you know, a portion of every player check is withheld at, in, in escrow, which basically at the year end can be used if um, the players made too much money. And basically the, the player player revenues, basically they get between 49 and 51% of total basketball related income, which again is not total. It's not absolutely every dollar that the NBA generates, but it's most of it. Um, last year it was about $7.7 $7 billion dollars. Um, which for reference, baseball was about 10 billion. Um, NFL was around 13 billion. So the NBA still is, is well behind those sports in terms of total, total revenue, you know, in, in kind of general terms. Um, but, you know, players are guaranteed to get, you know, roughly half of that money. And so I, a part of the debate around the salary cap is it's a little academic, like part of the whole frustration in 2016 when the players didn't want to do smoothing was smoothing wouldn't have like meant that, like the players get, you know, 40% of the cap now instead of 50%. It just would have meant basically that the cap as a mechanism for distributing that, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't kind of fully do it. Right. So I don't know, not to kind of belabor this, but um, my guess is, you know, they're not going to, to have a salary cap next year that is dramatically lower than, um, than what it was going to be or what it was this year. Um, because I just don't think the players or owners see any value because then you'd be in a scenario where, you know, no one has cap space and half the league is in the luxury tax. And what's the point of that, right? Like, what are we trying to do? And then you have a, a rise back to roughly this salary, this cap level the next year, right? Which, again, I, I heard some people say, oh, well, if if you have a huge cap drop next year, then you could have a huge, then, then you could have this total crazy cap bonanza of the year after. But I would say actually not. It's not the same as 2016 because keep in mind in 2016, it went to a high level that it had never been at before. So all the contracts that were still on the books were from the old cap world. Whereas now you're gonna have players making money based off of you know 109 million dollar salary cap for this year. If next year it went down because you know revenues went down this year, um, you know they're not you know unless the league and players association agreed to like you know, lower everybody's salary, which again, the players are not going to do, um, you know, you're still good. Then you're going to have so, still, still salaries that are kind of befitting of kind of where, where we are right now. So again, that's a big part of sort of determining if there's actual cap spaces, you know, little, you know, or even if the cap spikes back up, it's basically just going to be going back to where kind of the legacy contracts already were. So um, I don't think well, bottom line, I don't think, you know, this isn't like it's going to create a, you know, KD being able to sign up the Warriors type situation, which was really an anomaly of um, the cap spike of 2016 and the lack of smoothing. Um, so first off, I think there will be some type of smoothing. I think the league and the players will agree to just pick, you know, a number if it's the same number as this year or some number close to that, just to kind of maintain some level of normality in terms of the off season. Um, and also because again, it's, you know, the cap is supposed to reflect what, revenues are going to be prospectively. And so if you're playing a full season next year, which everybody has an incentive to have a full season next year to kind of not lose more money, um, then I would think, you know, maybe you don't, maybe you're not where you expected to be a year ago, right? When nobody knew what coronavirus was, but, or, or what Daryl Morey was going to tweet. Um, but I think you're not going to be, you know, 20% under that or something like that. So long story short, I think the, 
I think there's a lot of incentive for both sides to, you know, kind of agree to, to kind of keep a level, uh, a level of normalcy and, and smoothing out some of the, the big bumps that are going to be coming from uh, the coronavirus and, and its fallout. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference on Giannis' free agency. Um, I don't think it'll make a huge difference on what the Bucks can pay him. And I think I saw also one person ask about like, well, does Giannis have an incentive to sign a shorter term deal so he can get to 10 years and then sign a bigger contract? You know, a lot of people may be familiar that this is kind of part of the calculus for a lot of players. They come out, you know, after their first, you know, big contract. And, you know, if they're, if they see that incentive that, okay, they go from 30% to 35% eligible at 10 years. Um, so let's, let's basically have my next contract have an out or end when I'm at 10 years, so I can go out and get that bigger contract rather than, you know, get paid 30% for my 10th, 11th, 12th year or something like that. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Locked On Bucks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Milwaukee Bucks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Milwaukee Bucks fans that are well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to double three triple seven or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get the team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you guys. With Giannis, because he's eligible for the Supermax, he can get the 35% on this next contract. So there's literally no there's no incentive for him, at least in terms of getting a higher, you know, tax bracket, you know, like salary bracket to take a shorter deal. It would purely be because he just wants to maintain flexibility. And let's be honest, I mean, you know, knock on wood, Giannis will continue to be healthy. But I mean, look, did, did KD have to take a discount because he tore his Achilles at the age of 32 or whatever? No, like these types of players, um, you know, as long as they can continue to play, Giannis is going to get a max if he tears his ACL in two years uh, and goes into the summer, you know, on crutches, someone's going to offer him a, a four-year max contract. Like that's, that's not really a question. So um Anyway, I've belabored it a bit, but but I think long story short, Giannis is going to get probably close to what he was going to get, and maybe a little bit lower, just because the cap will be a little bit lower. But again, that's going to be two two cap years out from from where we are now. Um, and then, as far as the second question, um, uh, you know, kind of what is the impact on the league and all this stuff? Um, you know, I was looking at it a little bit. Uh, so, in terms of the finances, so probably the easiest way to think about it is, you know, the, the NBA signed this contract, the TV deal, the national TV deal. Um, started at about 2.6 billion a year in terms of revenue to the league, um, and again, out of let's say 7.7 billion total, uh, I think it's probably a bit higher than 2.6 now. But that's roughly about a third of total revenues is coming from that national TV deal. Um, I was trying to find numbers on on how much money comes from um, you know ticket sales because that's obviously also plays into the question yeah. in terms of you know how much do they lose by playing games on TV that are not in front of crowds. Uh, and the number I found, and again, I, I, I'm not really sure how accurate this is because you know, the NBA doesn't ever officially release this, but the number I saw was that it had fallen from roughly 30% 10 years ago to about 
a little over 20% most recently, which intuitively makes sense, right? Especially with the huge TV deals kind of dwarfing um, some of the gate receipts to some extent. And, and also local TV deals have obviously shot up hugely um, in recent years. So uh, from a practical perspective, you know, the gate money, if it's, let's say it's 20%, just to be simple, um, so that's about a fifth of, let's say, $8 billion. That's $1.6 billion. Obviously, you're making more money on gate uh, during the playoffs than you are during the regular season, at least like per game. Um, so certainly, you're losing relatively more money um, by not having fans in the playoffs than during the regular season. That said, um, the way it's been described, you know, listening to Brian Windhorst talk about this, listen to Larry Kuhn talk about this, it does sound like the TV deal um, I, I don't believe they're going to get the TV money if they just don't play games. So I think there is an incentive, or at least if they, if they could, it's going to be messy with the, the TV networks. So it seems like they do have a strong incentive to play games uh, for the TV money. Um, and then again, I'm not sure how the local TV deals exactly if they have sort of the similar structure or not. But um, it does seem like there is a very clear incentive uh, to get you know, the TV get playing in front of, even if it's empty gyms, just for the TV money, which, you know, the, again, the playoffs, um, that's, that's obviously tends to be obviously more of, you know, most of those games are going to be uh, national TV deal, which is that, you know, third of, of their total income. So um, there is definitely a big carrot to that. Uh, but clearly, I mean, you know, like I said, the gate receipts are still substantial, if not quite as large as the TV deal. Um, so that's why, you know, that's why it's an option. That's why they're not just saying, well, you know, if we can't play in front of fans, what's the point? Um, and obviously the fact that, you know, a basketball league tends to want to try to play basketball regardless of, <laughs> of circumstances. So, um, so I, I don't know, Kane, is, is there, did I miss any angle of that? Does, does that kind of make sense? I mean, again, as far as like how much, you know, there's, there's, there's always kind of the straight talk of in playoffs where teams are making a couple million bucks uh, per playoff game, something like that. And a lot of teams rely on, you know, they're kind of playoff games to kind of, at least it used to be that a lot of teams really relied on that to kind of swing them into the black. Um, you know, nowadays, I'm not sure exactly, but obviously, especially if you're a team that has an extended playoff run, um, you know, that's very, very important that you get that ticket revenue in terms of your bottom line. And, and obviously, if you, if you miss that, that's a big deal. That said, you know, that that TV money, local, local, maybe being a little less important since they only do, I think the first round of the playoffs, um, you know, it's that really the national TV deal that, that is the big carrot for the league. And, and obviously like, look, I mean, you know, even if by letter of the law, the NBA didn't have to give up all that money. I mean, they're business partners, right? NBA for, you know, Turner for ABC, you know, Disney, ESPN, they want those partners to be happy <laughs> and yeah. making money because that's just good for business. No, I, I do think for sure when, when I try to consider everything that, that the league is trying to do and why they're trying to do it. I mean, I, I, as you said, I mean, it's a basketball league. Yes, they want to have product on the floor, but it's obviously uh, pushed by money as well. And that's kind of why I still think that the league is going to go to any length they possibly can to have playoff basketball this season rather than just scrap everything and move straight to uh, at the start of a, another regular season. While I think that uh, interest and demand for people trying to watch basketball is going to be through the roof uh, no matter what because people are, are going to be missing sports and missing the game and just desperate for any type of basketball. I still think uh, they'll be looking for that push or boost for, for playoff basketball. And that's why 
when it comes back to the question of, of what do I think is going to happen this season, I still think they're going to do whatever the hell they can to make sure that there is a, a postseason this year. Uh, not only for the teams and the record books and the history and everything else, but for, for money. I mean, if they can, if they can get uh, money coming back in and, and trying to, to pick things back up again when playoff basketball, I think they're going to do that. But uh, we did. This is the last sort of uh, money question we have. And, and admittedly, Lanky PT says that this is, this is a dream scenario. This is his dream. So we're out here to crush dreams today, Frank. Uh, he asks if Anthony Davis wanted to move close to home. Is it all feasible to have Milton, Giannis, and AD on the same team? Now, uh, Anthony Davis, as it currently stands, has a $28 million player option for 2020-21 with the Lakers. Uh, yeah, obviously, we will see what happens with that, but my anticipation is that he would probably opt out of that, depending on, on what is happening with the landscape at the time. So there is a chance that... Uh, Anthony Davis is going to be a free agent this season. Obviously, the Bucks have bigger fish to fry with what they're trying to do with their own roster and their own uh, contract situation with Giannis. But uh, do we want to even entertain this one? Maybe the Bucks could have three players on the roster and that's it and just play three on five every game. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say... The general answer is, you know, can the Bucks create enough cap room to to sign a max free agent uh, in 2021? Um, no, uh, they definitely can't this summer. And I also would say there's the, the you know, I, I sort of said, well, there's not sorry, a lot of impact on Giannis as far as, um, you know, his kind of next contract. That said, uh, for something like Anthony Davis, it, it actually can be kind of important because, um, you know, if the league, even if the league doesn't, you know, even if the league smooths, smooths thing out, I think you'd probably guess that next year is going to be certainly lower than was expected. And then you'd see right. a bigger bump the following year, right. When things hopefully return more to normal. Um, and in that scenario, um, you know, Anthony Davis would, would have an incentive to, to try to not lock in basically a max deal at yeah. starting at, you know, sort of next year's, um, kind of max numbers versus um, versus doing it maybe a year out. And, and again, there's kind of some cap calculus. I mean, he'd make more money on a 30% max um, uh, based off, you know, let's say it's, it's uh, the word is right now, 109 million, right? Um, if he signs a max contracts at that at, at 30%, it's $32.7 million, which is more than $28 million. Um, that said, you know, would he say, you know what, um, I'd rather wait another year. I'll take my, you know, slight hit next year and then sign a max. Let's say, I mean, who knows if he thinks the cap's going to go up another, you know, 10 million bucks, um, then, you know, uh, he's making, you know, an additional $3 million out of that the following year. Right. Which, you know, and then you take the, uh, the raises, which come out of the first year salary, Again, it, it's I don't know exactly how much of a difference it is, but you know, again, for a player like AD, who's probably, you know, not as worried about locking up a max deal ASAP because he knows he's going to be able to get one regardless down the road, and he's already had a huge contract. It's certainly very possible that he opts in this summer just to kind of avoid having to, you know, potentially sign something that maybe is in a depressed market. Um, so, but but again, regardless of whether he would opt out this summer, next summer. Um, it's just very difficult for the Bucks to really kind of, you know, 
manufacture any type of room just because again, you've got Middleton making, you know, if we look this summer, Middleton making 33, Giannis making 27, Bledsoe 17, Brooke uh, almost 13. So, I mean, those four guys together are at $90 million Add in George Hill, you're basically at a hundred million dollars. Um, and at that point, you know, a hundred million dollars, I'm not even counting like anybody else in the roster. You know, you, you essentially are cap cap wise. You're at the same spot versus if you were a team that was over the cap and had the, the non-taxpayer mid level, which was 9 million, right? Cause that's the same as your cap space. So, um, so yeah, like manufacturing, 30 plus million dollars in cap space. Very difficult to foresee any circumstance where the Bucks do that um, while keeping Giannis and Middleton, obviously being the kind of key caveat. Um, and again, other ways to do it, you know, you'd have to, I'm sure people would say, well, dump Eric Bledsoe. Okay. Well, you know, you're still probably not, not there all the way, just given the other contracts on your roster. Um, so again, is it, you know, is it worth the Bucks? Someone in the Bucks front office writing the numbers just to double check. Yeah, probably, right? Especially right now when they maybe don't have a whole lot to do. Um, but is there really a feasible path to that? Probably not really. Um, and, and that said, I mean, the, you know, the one caveat I'd say to that is that, you know, if a player decides that he is absolutely wants to go to a certain place, um, you know, they can, they can often typically force their way to that place, especially if the team that they were with who has their bird rights knows that, that they're not staying. But really, that's not the situation with Anthony Davis, right? Like, everybody expects he's going to resign with the Lakers. And for him to, you know, basically hold out and force, uh, you know, force the Lakers basically to sign and trade him to Milwaukee for whatever, you know, some type of package, which, um, which would actually be workable under the CBA. To me, I would say many, many legs of that, uh, of that chair are, uh, are, are probably not very realistic. So apologies for being the, you know, wet blanket on the Anthony Davis to Milwaukee rumors. But um, yeah, just, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it's, it's probably just not a very feasible thing. No, I, I saw that answer coming. So I think that, uh, I think everyone's going to be fine with that. All right. That's going to do it for another week of locked on bucks. Uh, keep in mind after you listen to this podcast and after you go back and listen to all the other podcasts that we've put out this week, as I, I know you're all going to do, what else are you doing this weekend? Go and listen to the Locked On NBA podcast, the national NBA podcast for the Locked On Podcast Network. Always a great listen. And there is uh, still plenty going on around uh, the league during the hiatus. So check that one out. And uh, we appreciate your support on, the, on this podcast in particular. Uh, you guys listening to us is is doing great things for us and we we really appreciate this during what is obviously a tough time for everyone but we will be back next week i'm lining up some guests i'm trying to get the people rolling in it's a difficult time to get in touch with people but uh stick with me i'm working on that and next week we've got some pretty exciting things uh on the agenda so keep a lookout for that look after yourselves this weekend stay safe stay home and have some fun if you can indoors whatever it, it may be. But for Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys then. <laughs>